Okay, welcome to the Wake Up With W podcast. So today we are going to be talking about happy money, okay? The difference between happy money and sad money or angry money or pretty much any other emotion that you associate when you're using and spending money. And this is from a, a book called Happy Money um, that I didn't actually read the whole book, but I read you know, sometimes you open up and you read exactly what you need. Okay. And that's kind of what happened with this book. Um, a while ago, I think I read it like last year and it really helped kind of shape some things with money. And as you guys know, the more and more I, you know, go on this journey, the more I feel like I have a better and better relationship with wealth, with money, with abundance, because I learned so many things that I had to unlearn from when I was young. Right. So the book talks about your relationship with money and when money is leaving your pocket, it has to be in a happy state, right? And that's kind of the general concept of the whole book, right? Your, your money should never leave your pocket with like a negative emotion associated with it. And I think a lot of the times we do have those negative emotions associated with it because it's stemming from things that came from our childhood that are still within us. Right. And so when money is leaving our pocket, we have to try to be consciously aware to be happy that the, but the money is leaving our pocket. Right. To show gratitude for the fact that we have that money. Whereas, you know, this concept I thought was so interesting because, you know, there's different examples in the book of, of happy money and, and sad money. And they say, you know, there's money EQ. Right. And the difference between happy money and sad money and some examples were happy money could be like investing in a new business or a new community project and or happy money could be donating your hard earned money to a charitable cause, right? Or sharing your money with somebody that, that's in need or happy money could be, you know, receiving money for work or services that you did from satisfied, satisfied clients or satisfied employers. It could be you doing an amazing, jo amazing job at your job and getting paid for it. It could be you doing an amazing job at your business and getting paid for it, right? That's all happy money. But on the other end of the spectrum, sad money is maybe unwillingly paying off credit cards with interest rates and being frustrated about it or receiving a salary from an employer for a job that you hate, but you just can't bring yourself to quit, or money gained from unethical or illegal reasons, right? This is the same currency. It's the same dollars that's being exchanged. It's literally the same thing, but a completely different function and a completely different outcome. Money circulated in frustration or anger or sadness or despair is sad money. They coin it sad money in the book. But money put towards people and matters that have value, or at least you perceive that it has value, is happy money. And it's, you know, we, we, we think of these things of the way that we spend money because money is going to leave us anyways. At some point, you got to spend money. And I've been saying this mantra for a while that whenever I spend any money and I'm like, 
anytime money leaves me, more money is already on the way. Anytime money leaves me, more money is already on its way. I always say that. And the more that I think about these things is even when you're paying things like your credit card or bills or things that aren't necessarily fun to pay, you're helping someone create an income, right? You're helping someone build wealth. So instead of looking at it as a negative thing, like I'm paying off this credit card and I have debt and I have this, instead think about how that interest is going to help somebody make money. You're adding to somebody else's abundance, right? Rather than thinking of everything that you were losing, right? So it's really important to start looking at it in a different way, start looking at money in a different way, right? And so there's this myth, and you know, we talk a lot about this on Wake Up With W Fab of scarcity, of lack mindset. We're taught to believe from a very young age that if somebody else has something, we can't have it. If someone else has a lot of money, it means that they're automatically depriving us of our money. And we attach a lot of negative emotions to, to, about money. We attach a lot of negative emotions to money by thinking this way. But it stems from when we're kids, right? When we're kids, you, from a young age, you hear your parents say like, what you don't have. You hear your parents, you know, some of you guys, if you had parents that were living in like a lack mindset, which I think a lot of us did, right? Because we, they weren't as conscious as we are in this day and age, right? Talking about how it's not fair, the amount of money that they get, how it's not fair that, that another, somebody else is making more money than them. It's not fair that they work so hard and don't get paid for it. And then you go to school and what do you do? You see someone on the playground playing with a toy, a nice toy, and you're like, it's not fair. They have this nice toy and I don't. Or even when it comes to toys, you learn that you have to share because it, you can't play at the same time. It's either I have the toy or they have the toy. So when I have something, it takes away from somebody else. And when somebody else has something, you feel the deprivation because you don't have it in your hand. Right? You learn these things from a young age. When in reality, there are plenty of toys to play with, but you're programmed to look at what you don't have and what you're not doing. That's the myth of scarcity. And the thing is, is I have examples of this in like my family. I have somebody in my family, um, I have somebody in my family that was big on this scarcity mindset, huge on this scarcity mindset. And I remember being like kids and always, like it was always a topic, like if, you would spend more than a day, not even a day with her. She would talk about how her parents don't have money. More than, oh, we can't afford that. We, we can't afford that. Yeah, my family, my family's salary is only this much. Yeah, my family, yeah, my family, we, we can't afford those kinds of things. Literally every single day, like you, you'd spend time every single day, she'd mention it to the point where it was almost exhausting to be around her because She's always talking about how much money she doesn't have. And as a result, her life was always like that. And I tried to kind of, you know, 
I mean, I wasn't as knowledgeable as I was now, but I, you know, she was kind of this negative about everything. And I tried to kind of um, help her with that. But it ended up being that what happens is you attract that. What happens is that's how your life is gonna stay because all you're focusing on what you is what on what you don't have. Have y'all ever been around somebody like that? It's like a poor me attitude. That shit is exhausting as fuck to be around people like that. And but it stems from the childhood. It stems from her parents who do the same thing, who talk about what they don't have and what they can't afford and how their wages are so low, right? And that creates this inherent myth of scarcity. And this mindset, the myth of scarcity believes that there's a limited amount of resources in the world. Thank you. Limited amount of resources in the world. And if we don't get what we want when we want it, somebody else will get it. So we will have to get it sooner because it's running out. We have to do everything in our power to make sure that we get it as soon as, as, soon as possible before anybody else. So nobody can take a piece of your pie. Right? And it becomes like a stressful environment. That scarcity mindset. There, but there's more than enough money for everybody. There's more than enough abundance for everybody. And I had that, like, even in my school, I remember in my university, I felt like a lot of the people were not um, in my in my program were not helpful. Like, I remember one time in university, I asked this girl um, help with like one of the questions, one of the economics questions. Um, and she gave, she told me the answer and I wrote it down and it didn't really make sense to me, but I wrote it down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to study it later, whatever, whatever, uh, before our exam, before our exam. So I go in and study it. As I'm studying it, I was help studying with, I guess, somebody else. I don't remember even how, but I realized that the answer that she gave me was wrong. Okay. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, next time I see her, I'm going to make sure I tell her so she knows not to study the wrong thing. And I, next, next time we had class, and this is like not someone I was friends with. It was just a person like in the class, right? That I would see every, every, every class. And next, next class that we had together, I went up to her and I was like, oh, babe, by the way, that the answer you gave me was actually wrong. Like, oh, let me show you like uh, what the real answer is, right? I figured it out because blah, 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 blah. And she, and she kind of looked at it and she was just like, mm, thanks. Okay, thanks. Like she had this energy that she already knew that it was the wrong answer. I swear, oh my God. Like I was actually in shock that she literally gave me the wrong answer on purpose. And I feel like it's because our program, I was in school for accounting and economics. It was a very competitive program. All of the friends that I had in first year were gone by, by second and third year. They were gone. They were quit from the program. It was very, very competitive. So there was a very competitive nature. And she literally gave me the wrong answer. And I was like, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy to me. Right. But that's because there's this sort of, you know, there was a sort of um, feeling amongst the people in our program that if you, if sounds like com Queen's Commerce, <laughs> there was a, there was a, um, like this almost under underlying 
kind of energy that like we're competing for jobs, right? Because it's, it's a specific field, it's accounting. You're obviously trying to be an accountant and there's like top 10 companies, top four companies. So it's like almost like this energy, like we're all competing with each other when really that's not the case. Look, I wasn't competing with nobody. I went into network marketing, <laughs> right? But there was like that energy in that scarcity. That scarcity, that's like not everybody can have what they need. We each, we, we, we are competing for something. And a lot of childhood experiences related to money are like, you guys have probably, you guys can probably relate to this one. Drop some ones if you can relate to this one. You know, you want to take dance classes, but my mom told me we couldn't afford it or baseball classes or gymnastic classes or hockey or whatever hobby. But our parents told us we couldn't afford it. Right? How many of you guys relate to that? See some ones in the chat. Or for me, it was when I was younger, I really wanted to fit in with the crowd. I really wanted to fit in with the crowd and the crowd was wearing Hollister and Abercrombie and I was an immigrant and my mom said, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> $50 for a shirt, yeah, right. Yeah, right, forget about it, right? But all, all the people in my school or in my circle were wearing Abercrombie and I wanted an Abercrombie sweater. And my mom went and we went to Abercrombie and my mom almost had a heart, heart attack and she's like, yeah, let's get out of here. The air in here smells expensive, right? So these things, you know, you, you get from your parents. You, you start learning the, those things. Those of us that, 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 um, that grew up with our parents that were, didn't, have good, didn't have money, we can sometimes feel like a resentment towards money. But at least we don't blame ourselves for money problems, right? We kind of blame the parents because we know they didn't have the money. But some of them, some of you guys also suffered because you thought it was your fault that your parents were poor. Some parents, and it's not their fault, they were just unconscious, but some parents will constantly talk about how much money it is to provide for you. How much money it is to provide for you and your siblings. Some people would say, oh, I'd be rich if it wasn't for you, these kids, right? How many of us have heard that? Or, or it, and things that make you believe that make you feel like you're a burden. Like you're a financial burden. And there's some parents who are even more passive aggressive and who operate in, operated in an even more damaging way due to their circumstances, they're telling their kids that the reason they can't take hockey lessons is because they never follow through on anything. Because they never follow through and they're not consistent. So instead of blaming it on the money, which is the real, oh, look, someone put some, someone put a lot of, Anya put a lot of ones in there, right? Right? Because they never follow through or anything rather than the fact that they don't have money or worse, they aren't, that you're not talented enough and it would be a waste of money. Or do you seriously think that would like anything would come from that? It would be a waste of money. So what do you get? You get this feeling that you're a waste of money. It's an inherent now belief that you are a waste of money. And that goes into your adulthood and your relationship with money. 
And it's not your parents' intention. We're not going to blame the parents. They were unconscious, but it's yours to be aware of and heal through. A lot of children tend to associate money with pain and suffering. And they internalize it because, and, and they believe that they are the root of the suffering, the root of the lack of money. And you have to work through that emotional baggage related to money because it doesn't matter how hard you work. I don't know who was on the team training last night. It was fire, but it doesn't matter how hard you work because if your energy is off, if your relationship with money is off, then you're always going to repel it. It's like you spray the, the bug repellent, but you're chasing the bugs. Like they're literally going to run away from you. So how do you view money? Does money help you with whatever you want to do? Or is it an obstacle that gets in the way? What's your instinct when you think of money? Is it money? Oh, I love money because it helps me get things. Or is it, oh, I have to get money in order to get things. Like it's an obstacle that I have to get through. What's your inherent relationship with money? Because of money, have you not been able to start maybe a dream project or leave a job that you hate? Do you like money? Like when you, when you think of money, like what's the inherent emotion? Is it positive or negative? Do you like money? Does money like you? That's based on your energy. What kind of stories do you tell yourself about money? You have to work through these things. For some people, money means security. For other people, money is a monster, right? For some people, it's freedom. And for others, it represents control. You know, Jazz talks about, about this um, a lot in, in with, her, with her relationship. For some people, money is freedom. For her, when she was in a controlling relationship where her boyfriend at the time was providing for her that was a form of control that's a form of control right or control from a boyfriend control from a boss control from your family so you have to check whatever it is that you feel you project onto money and detect what emotional baggage that you have because we all have some sort of emotional baggage. If you were, if you had a 100% healthy relationship with money, then you wouldn't have any money problems, right? You just wouldn't. All of us need to work on our relationship money, relationship with money. So you have to dig deep and figure out within your own beliefs and what, what your beliefs are about money and understanding why you develop these beliefs and, and working through them, healing through them. Yes, it may be our parents that affected us, but it is our responsibility to work through it because they were just doing what they were taught from their parents. And they were just doing what they were taught from their parents. So you gotta break the cycle to have a healthy relationship with money, right? And to be conscious of when it's leaving you to, to, for it to leave you in a good state. 
right? So I'm gonna talk about three different functions of money. And a lot of feelings we have about money are derived from three, these three different functions. So uses of money. So the number one function is exchange. Okay, the function of exchange, a massage, a meal, a purse, you're exchanging. This function gives money power because we know that once we have money, we can exchange it for anything. So when we don't have money, we panic because we cannot exchange it for things. So the first function is the, the function of exchange. The second function is the function of saving. People want to perceive the value of money, right? Like, like back in the day, um, in the stone ages, humans used to hunt gigantic mammoth or giant, giant mammoths, right? And they obviously can't eat a whole mammoth right away. So what do they do? If they didn't figure out a way to store it or perceive it, it would decay. Right? If they didn't figure out a way to store it, it would decay. And all the work and all the effort and all the months spent tracking the mammoths and hunting them down would be wasted. So in order to preserve it, in order to preserve the value of their hard work and effort, they have to save or they have to use, use and, and trade the meat. It's the same thing that goes for us. We don't want, we have this feeling that we don't want our labor to go in vain. We want it to retain its value. We want to see savings accrue after years of hard work. We want something to show for our lives. We want it to mean something. And when we work week after week and month after month and year after year, we have nothing to show for it because because you know we get we have a low vibrational feeling about if we have nothing to show for it. It means that our lives lacked meaning because all the work that we did, it, it doesn't have anything to show for it. So function is saving. I mean, saving is not going to get you rich by any means, but a function of it is what you can do with your money, right? How what you can accumulate. And it's crazy, we were talking about this last night. We were at dinner with um, some people from our corporate team and we we're talking about how a lot of people in this industry, because you can make a lot of money in this industry. And a lot of people make a lot of money and they spend a lot of money. They make a lot, they make six, over six figures, multiple six figures, and they spend a lot of money. I know people in the industry that have made millions and spent millions. And that's just the, the nature of, of, of people, right? And so the second function is saving, saving, okay? And the third function, which is my favorite one, okay? The third function, which is my favorite one, is the function of growth. The function of growth. This is the core of capitalism of building wealth, right? If you, if you deposit money and it generates interest, so if you have money invested and it's growing, 
uh, in the book, it says it's like a living thing. It's like a living thing because it's growing. And that's how people who have money get more money. That's how the wealthy get wealthier is actually the function of growth. And most people get confused with this concept because it means that hard work and effort uh, have a limit to, to, to somebody's success, right? Like that's what we get taught. We were talking about that last night in the training that everything has to be struggled, that you have to struggle to get your money. But actually the function of growth is not a, a, a function of struggle. Money can grow and duplicate itself in the right vehicles, right? In many different vehicles. So learning how to do that is, and I love how they explain it, like a, it's like a living being, right? It's like your money is like a living thing. So when we feel like we don't have enough money left over to invest, after we paid for bills, after we've paid for our expenses, we, we don't feel good about ourselves because we feel like, how are we going to actually create wealth? Have you ever felt like that? Some, sometimes at some points in your life, you maybe, or maybe it could be even right now, it doesn't matter, that you literally are making money and you're paying for all the bills and there's not enough left to invest, right? And then we feel, we feel like a low, um, we feel bad about ourselves because we know that that is what's needed to create wealth. We know that every single wealthy person makes their money work from them, makes their money work for them. Every single wealthy person. Right? So these are the three functions, exchange, saving, and growth. And it's important to know these things so you can think about where is most of your money going? Is it mostly going through exchange? Or are you separating your money between the three categories? Right? And in the book, they talk about money IQ and money EQ. Money IQ is focused on financial intelligence. And you get that from learning, you know, theory from things like money management, from tax law, from investing, from trading, from personal finance, from financial literacy, right? Money IQ is basically our financial literacy. I love this because when I read this book, I actually wasn't with iGenius. So now that we are, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's aligned with what we're doing, right? And then you have your money EQ. Your money EQ. Your money EQ is your emotional intelligence that is required to handle your reactions towards money, your triggers with money, your beliefs with money. It's kind of what we talked about in the beginning of this call. Money EQ, right? What are your feelings and reactions towards money? If your EQ is low, then you're always going to lose lots of money. You're never going to have enough. It doesn't matter how much money you make, or even if your IQ is high, you could have a high IQ, but if your EQ is low, you're still going to struggle with accumul accumulating money in abundance. And you can kind of look at this in the world, you know, the importance of money, uh, money EQ is really shown by the long list of 
financially literate people or very intelligent people who haven't been able to manage their reactions with money. And they, they go in bankruptcy, they go in debt. Like so many people like that. You guys know Mike Tyson? I mean, pretty much every famous person, not faint everybody, but a lot of famous entrepreneurs have, have, have gone to bankruptcy. Mike Tyson um, has ma made over $300 million in his career. 300 million. And he went bankrupt with over $25 million in debt. How do you go from making 300 million to being $25 million in debt? Because he got the IQ, he knows how to make the money, he knows how to bring the money in, but it's your emotional relationship with money, right? Or it could be both, I mean, in his circumstance. Yes, money IQ is basically financial literacy and money EQ is your emotional intelligence related to money, right? So both of those things are so important. And in order to achieve a life where you have happy money, you have to have both high IQ and EQ. Because if you have a high IQ, but a, but a low EQ, you have a quick reaction. You'll make impulsive decisions with your money. Maybe, maybe, maybe think of like a gambler, for example. Somebody could, could you know, make good money at their job, but they could be addicted to gambling. That's an emotional thing and lose money because of that. You, I'm sure you guys have heard stories of people gambling their houses away. That's not IQ. They probably know that logically it's not the smartest thing to do, but it's the emotional trigger that's making them do it, right? The revenge trading, it's the emotions. We talk about this a lot when it comes to trading too. Trading is an emotional game. You have to take control of your mind and that's where most people fail. The skill set is not that complicated. It's the, it's the uh, emotional part, right? Yeah, uh, Brady said in the chat, I got a buddy who would gamble his whole, whole pay away the same night he got it. Exactly, that's the EQ, right? So to get happy, a happy money life, you have to have a high EQ and a high IQ. And once you pos possess both intelligence and emotional aspects of money, you will start to build a healthy relationship with it. And that's really the key they talk about in the book to financial success. That's literally the key about it. And through my journey in, you know, network marketing and partnering up with a company, I've really um, gained such a huge, such a shift in my relationship with money, right? Because when I started in network marketing, I made a lot of money, okay? But I also spent it. I, I spent a lot of money as well. I didn't really allocate for other things. And so other than my, than my lifestyle. And I remember at some point I was making good money from when I was still working my, my regular job, I was making two full-time incomes at, at one point, right? I was making two full-time incomes. I was making a full-time income for my job and I was making a full-time income from a network marketing, like a good, healthy income. I was basically making six, fig I was making six figures together with the two jobs, right? And so 
even with that, while I was working, I was still, even though I was working like at, at a job, it's like I couldn't do all these crazy things. I was still spending a huge chunk of my money. And then even when I got into hitting the, 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 that mark in network marketing, I still spent a lot of money, right? And it's because it's the emotional part of it. And now being around, you know, people that are so focused on investments, my mindset around money has completely changed, right? And the way that I, that I think about it. And even, even before, like we talked about this a little bit on the training last night, before my concept with money was that I needed to struggle to get it because that's what I was, that's what I was taught. I needed to work hard. I needed to struggle. It needed to be a challenge. Money couldn't just come easily. But since partnering with this company um, and just having like my own kind of awakening when it comes to everything, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, it was a very tough transition for me um, emotionally. And I feel like it just made me realize that how I've been doing business for the past two years before that is not how I want to do business going forward. You know, and I completely changed the way that I do business. I completely changed the way that I talk to myself. And I'll be honest with you, I pretty much feel like I work less than I do and make more money. I literally work less and I'm less stressed. I'm less like attached. I'm less, I enjoy life more. Yeah, I definitely enjoy life more. And it's not because I couldn't before, but it's because I felt like I had to struggle in order to succeed. And like, Flora said last night on the call, take struggle off your plate. You do not have to struggle to succeed. Money can flow to you. And when you believe that it flows to you, it just does. It comes from nowhere. But the problem is that a lot of you guys don't even celebrate it. I celebrate every time money comes my way. Somebody could be paying me back, okay? $30, they could be sending me $30. I'm like, yo, I just got paid. I just got paid. Somebody just sent me $30. Even though I was the one who sent them the money, guess what? The abundance is coming back to me. Money just hit my bank account. I celebrate it. I celebrate every single Friday, even though I know what I'm going to get paid three weeks in advance. I'm like, damn, I got paid today. Right? And I try, I'm not perfect, but I try to be conscious of when I spend money to make sure that I'm spending it in a happy way, that I'm giving freely, that I'm not attaching myself to it, that I'm helping, that, that when I spend money on something, I know that I'm helping somebody get a check. I'm helping somebody have a meal. I'm helping somebody duplicate their wealth, right? So you have to kind of change that. And those things really helped me so much. I mean. Uh, even my relationship with money before was always that I, and money was never a problem. And as a result, I never had problems with money. I didn't save or invest, but I never had problems with money. Right. Once I got into like network marketing. And it's because I didn't stress over it, but now my relationship is 10 times better because I truly believe that money flows to me just for breathing. Like money will come to me just for breathing. I don't have to exert myself. I just have to be in alignment. I just have to focus on my mindset. I just have to focus on being happy. And I'd much rather have my focus on being happy than my focus on, you know, making money or doing this or hitting a certain talk. I'd much, 
rather focus on being happy and let everything else flow to me. And it does. It does. And every time it does, I celebrate. doesn't matter what it is. So I invite you to, to really focus on having that happy money relationship to feel what it feels like, you know, to, to be aware of what, what you're feeling when money is leaving you and when he, money is entering your existence, right? And be aware of that because the way that you feel about it is going to dictate your relationship with money and your relationship with money is going to dictate the money that you have. And I saw this quote, and this is the last thing I'll leave you guys with. And I don't even remember how they said it, but it said something like, money is a horrible master, but an amazing servant. And I love that. Money is a horrible master, but an amazing servant. So if money is your master, you're going to have a lot of problems. But if money is your servant, if money serves you, then it's going to be abundant. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're spending and using money, right? So um, that's pretty much it for today's call. I hope you guys enjoyed the topic. I'm going to stop the recording right there, and then we're going to get into our mastermind. If you're tuning in on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in to Wake Up With WFAB. We appreciate you. And anytime that you share and tag us, it means the world. Hope you guys have a beautiful day.